So we're talking about heaven today. How many want to go there right now? Right now? How many want to wrap some things up before you go? It's not how it works. It's kind of not how it works. We want to do that. We want to prepare for that. And we want to do as much as we can. But we really don't know when that's going to be. So. But we are excited to get there. Now, last week we talked about what happens the moment you die. We said that if you trusted Christ in your life, angels are going to escort you to heaven. And when you get there, you'll be welcomed. People will know you. Now, we're going to talk about today. This is probably the biggest question I get asked, and I have myself. What are we going to do when we're there? Is this going to be one long church service for eternity? We're going to be singing and, and worshiping forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, you hear that, and it's like, that sounds kind of monotonous, right? If it's just one long church service, it, it better be one banging up church service. But that's not how it's going to be. Now, I was thinking about this. How many of you have kids that have told you that they're bored? Dad, I'm bored. Mom, I'm bored. Now, they've got rooms full of toys. They've got electronics. and They've got everything they could want to play with, and yet they're bored. I don't get it. Why are they bored? Because they haven't taken advantage of everything that they have at their disposal. They think there's something else. When in reality, all that they have is, should be sufficient to cure the boredom. If heaven is made of people that we know and angels and it's made of gold and pearl and all that stuff, there's got to be more to that when we get there, right? If that's what God tells us, imagine what it's going to be like when we actually see the place. So we're going to look at a couple of things that the Bible talks about what happens when we are there. The first is, who is going to be there? And I thought about this. What thing or what person makes things exciting for you? Let me ask it a different way. If you are invited to a big gala, a big soiree, and you know the person inviting you, when you walk in the door, who's the first person you kind of want to see? The one that invited you, right? The one who told you to come. And that person is going to hopefully introduce you to everybody else. So you are most excited to see the person that invited you to that, that party. Well, who is going to be in heaven? Aside from other, other believers. Jesus. God, right? The creator of the universe. The one who actually invited you there. And the Bible says, you know, God is not boring. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence, presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You're going to be in the presence of God. And in the presence of God is fullness of joy. You're going to be joyful all the time. And pleasures forevermore in the presence of God. Now, you think about that. You get to talk to the creator of the universe. Now, the Bible says we will have perfect knowledge, but obviously we're not God, so we're not going to know everything. So you get to talk to the creator of the universe. He spoke the universe into existence. He's the one that gives you sunsets, beautiful skies, nice weather when we have it. I, I love fall. I love the change. I just hate what comes after fall. 
And I believe that winter is part of the, the fall, part of the curse, because things die in winter. Just uh, a little aside there. But Psalm 191 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. I was walking Hudson to the bus stop the other day, and his bus comes at like 7 o'clock, you know. And we're over at the beauty shop there, and we actually got to see the sun rise. You look over the field there, and, and it was actually going fast enough that you could see the difference. It was just rising up, and I thought about that. And we went to the, you know, the, the uh, Grand Canyon of Pierre and the beautiful scenery we, have, we saw there, and all that stuff. The person who created all of that, you get to have a conversation with. You get to talk to now, how many have been asked, or your kids have been asked in school, if there's one person you could sit down and talk to, living or dead, who would that be? How many have ever had that question asked of them? I've, you know, your kids asked that in school. You know, would, you, would it be Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln? Would it be George Washington? Would it be Julius Caesar? Who would you want to talk to if you could talk to them right now? Well, we actually get to talk to the architect of the universe in whose presence is fullness of joy. And it, it's something that we can't really comprehend here. We can learn about it, and it'll be up here as an as a information. But until we're actually there, it's, it's difficult to comprehend it, knowing that that's how it's going to be. God is omnipotent, exhilarating, exciting, and awesome. Who wouldn't want to be where God is? The second thing we do when we, when we are there is well, notice, you will be transformed into a different person. Now, you're not going to be totally different. You will be actually the best version of yourself. Who you are now will be made perfect. All the idiosyncrasies we have and the things that bug other people aren't going to be there. Mistakes we make aren't going to be there. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 says, So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. And then verse 50 says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Now remember we talked last week about us having a temporary body. This body goes in the ground and it stays there, and rots or whatever. And then at the, at the rapture, the body comes back up and is reformed. But between those two periods, God gives us a temporary body. And the temporary body we have will be known by people. It will be known by other people. And it will be a perfection of who we are as people now. What do I mean by that? Your bodies aren't going to become tired, not going to become weak, not going to get sick, not going to get older. I've had this question asked, and I don't know, what age are you going to be in heaven? We don't know. I'm thinking 30, maybe. You're over the teenage years. You're not having cracked that 40 barrier. I, I don't know. But whatever age you are, your body's going to be perfect. You won't have any hindrances that we do now, any physical or mental or any kind of hindrances that we have here will be gone. And you'll be transformed into, into a perfect version of yourself. Think of what the things that we do now. Do you have physical limitations? The older you get, the more you have them, right? I mean, there's stairs out there. 
That's a struggle for most people, getting up those things. And I see a lot of us taking those steps a little bit slower. Although no one wants to use the chair. What would you do, like to do now if you didn't have any physical limitations? Or time limitations? Or talent limitations? I, uh, I watch a, a car show, it's called Garage Squad. How many of you have ever seen that show? Garage Squad. It, the, the premise of the show is generic Joe owns a hot rod in his garage that he just doesn't, he can't finish because he's not either, doesn't have enough money or talent or time to finish it. And so they call these group, they come in and they fix the car for him. They take a week, they fix the car. And in the beginning of the show, they'll tell you if you run out of time, talent, or, or money, these guys come in and do it. All limitations to not being able to finish what you want to accomplish. When you're in heaven, you will have no limitations on being able to do what it is God has called you to do. You won't run out of time. You're not going to run out of energy. You're not going to run out of ability. Everything you have now will be perfected and you will be able to finish that. There's an author by the name of Joseph Bailey. He says it this way, and I've used this example at, at funerals. Think about when you are women, when you are pregnant, and the baby is ready to be born. But as far as the baby is concerned, he's good. He doesn't want to come out. He's comfortable where he is, right? And it's hard for him, painful. For him, doesn't want, does not want to leave. But who's on the other side? You have a whole group of excited relatives waiting to see the baby. They just can't wait. Baby doesn't know that. Baby's happy where he is. But the transformation takes place. He's born, and guess what? He's excited. The family's excited. The baby, his body is transformed. He no longer lives in the amniotic sac. He doesn't, doesn't, isn't fed by the tube. He's now outside. Same baby, but his body's transformed. He now is able to breathe oxygen. He's now able to eat food normally. Same person, transformation. When we get to heaven, our bodies will be transformed, will be the same, but will be transformed into a perfection of ourselves now. Now, third, you will be known by other people, even people that you don't know right now. Hebrews 12, 23 says, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge of all people and you have come to the spirits of the redeemed in heaven, what, who have now been made perfect. So you're going to be in the same quadrant, room, however it's set up, with everybody who is a believer, past, present, and whoever becomes a believer in the future. Matthew 8, 11 says, And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. That verse tells us we retain our identity when we're in heaven. The Bible says, he, and Jesus refers to these guys by name. So two things. How are people going to recognize them? And how are they going to know their names? The Bible says that's going to be. We will know who they are, and they will be called by their same name. When they're at this feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they will be known by us, and they, in fact, will know us as well. 
when Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration, what he recognized Moses and Elijah. I don't know if he's ever seen a picture of them, but he knew them. When we get to heaven, we will know people that are up there, and those people will in turn know who we are. Now, for people to be able to recognize us, we have to be able to retain our identities. Not be, we're not a, gener a generic image. We will have identities. We will have physical bodies that are different from each other so we're able to recognize. If we all looked exactly the same in heaven, how would they know who is who? So there's going to be a difference in our physical appearance. We will have relationships in heaven, and I wrote down here, but without any of the drama that we have today. <laughs> how many of you have drama in your household? How many of your households are perfect, calm, and peaceful, and everything is just, it's just heaven on earth? Well, you let me know, because I'm coming over there if your house is like that. You're going to have the same relationships, but you're not going to have the conflicts that you have here. Now, for every, and I would say this mostly pertains to girls more than boys, but I tell my kids all the time that they are just like their mother. And they bristle when they hear that. Is that true? Now, they bristle, but they also laugh because they know it's true. Now, that being the case, if you have two people that are similar, what happens? Conflict, right? Well, all of that will be gone. There won't be any of that conflict in heaven. You will have the perfect relationship, the one that you kind of want here but don't quite have. It'll be perfect in heaven. Hebrews 12, 23 again says, and we have come to the spirits of the redeemed in heaven who, what, who have now been made perfect. The relationships will remain the same, basically, but the conflicts or whatever interpersonal drama there is will be gone. When you get there, I've asked myself this, who do you want to talk to when you get there? Other than God, who do you want to talk to? You want to talk to your grandparents. You want to talk to your mom, your dad, maybe your siblings. Who do you want to talk to when you're there? You're going to have that chance. And if there was strife on this side, none of that will be remembered on the other side. Because what? We, won't, we will be in perfect peace. If we had strife, we wouldn't be in perfect peace in heaven. And we will know who each other is. Now, number four is we are going to actually work in heaven. We're going to have jobs. Right? Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they had jobs before the snake came. Right? They had jobs. They were perfect people, perfect place. And yet God gave them jobs to do. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord placed a man in the Garden of Eden to tend and care for it. 2.19 says, The Lord God formed from the soil every kind of animal and bird. He brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And Adam chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, bird, and wild animals. So he had things to do. God told him what to do. He had to do it. And verse 25 says, And now, although Adam and his wife were both naked, neither of them felt any shame. So this is all before the snake came. They all had jobs to do. And we are going to have 
jobs in heaven. Now, we don't know specifically what they are, but verse, Revelation 22, 3 says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of the God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will what? We will serve Him. We will have jobs in order to serve God. And we will be serving God alongside angels. We will be working with them in service of God. We will become servants just like the angels are. We, are, we will not become angels. Okay, we don't become angels when we die. Angels are angels. We're people. We don't become each other. Now, when an angel appeared to John in Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10 says, At this I fell to his feet to worship him, the angel. John fell at his feet and says, But he said to me, Don't do it. I am what? A fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. We will have responsibilities and productive work. Heaven is not a retirement home. When you get to heaven, you're not going to sit and just relax and watch TV all day. And the good thing about having a job when you're in heaven, you won't be tired. You don't get tired. It doesn't say anything about sleeping in heaven. You may not need sleep. How many think sleep is a waste of time? I wish I didn't have to sleep. And I wish I didn't have to eat. Because it's... But I do both of them very well. <laughs> but in heaven, we're not going to have the limitations that we have here. And we're not going to have bad attitudes about the job that we do. Now, Jesus talking about the kingdom of God says this in Matthew 25. He says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. That's Jesus talking about heaven. So in heaven, there will be, it sounds like, order, rank and order. You will be in charge of some things. You'll be in charge of these things. So there will be, it will be work to do. Wilbur Smith wrote a book called The Biblical Doctrine of Heaven. He says this, In heaven we will be permitted to finish many of the worthy tasks which we had dreamed to do on earth but which neither time nor strength nor ability allowed us to achieve. So the things that we want to do spiritually, want to, maybe we want to study God's word more. Well, in heaven we have time to do that. Now we mentioned earlier that heaven is referred to as a city. It's referred to as a country. Maybe we'll build things. Maybe we're responsible for the things that are built. Commentary writer Ray Stedman says this, there will be new planets to develop, new principles to discover, and new joys to experience. Every moment of eternity will be an adventure of discovery. So it's not boring. We will have things to do and we will enjoy doing them. So whenever, whatever your job is in heaven, in the process of serving God, two things will be true. Whatever you do for God will be perfect. And whatever you do for God will last forever. The things that we do now here, we do for God are imperfect. We, don't, we blow it, we don't make mistakes, and we don't do it perfectly. And we want to please God, but we don't do it always the right way. But in heaven, we, we, the things that we do will be perfect, and we will know that. And lastly, heaven is the, actually the place that we have been waiting for. Romans 8.22 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the, points, uh, the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit 
what we groan inwardly as we e wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The reason we look forward to heaven is because we get a small taste of it here and we are anticipating what perfection will be. When we look around and we see the, you know, the sunset or the trees and the fall leaves and everything, you get a, get a taste of what heaven might be like because it looks just so beautiful and serene. Our world, as imperfect as it is, it's still decaying around us, but it makes us think of perfection where we want to live. Remember our verse from last week, Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. People need something to look forward to. We have to be in, in a constant state of anticipation of what's going to happen next. Robert Kennedy Jr. says this, Everyone basically has an empty hole inside of them that they are trying to fill with money, drugs, alcohol, power, and none of the material stuff works. Have you ever accomplished something that you spent a lot of time doing and you accomplished it and it's finally finished? What do you feel like when it's done? You feel great for a day, right? And then the next thing is, okay, well, that's done. What's next? You get great joy out of something you put a whole lot of time into, but eventually, okay, that's done. What do I do now? And I, I wrote this example. You spent 18 to 20 years raising your kids, and then you're excited to see them grow up and become mature, become adults, and then they move out and start lives of their own. And are you excited or are you kind of bummed out? You want to see the grandkids now, right? You want to see them grow up. The things that you are really excited for, no matter what they are, are eventually going to end. And so there's always something we have to look forward to. The Bible puts it, or God puts it in our heart that there's something we looking, we're looking forward to that doesn't end. Author Jack Higgins says, when you get to the top of the mountain, there's nothing there. They asked Sir Edmund Hillary, you know, he clowned Mount Everest, right? I said, how do you feel? He said, well, what's left to do? He climbed the mountain, but now he's thinking, what do I have to do now? And the truth is, I believe God puts that feeling in us, and we should have those feelings. That whatever defines us here, whether you think of yourself first as a parent or a CEO or a worker or a husband or a wife, what defines you? Everything that defines us is going to end. But there's one thing that God puts in us that we are anticipating something that doesn't end, and that something is heaven. If God put eternity in our hearts, then we have to think that there's something more. Every great accomplishment we have here may last for a while, but there's always got to be something more. When you get to heaven, there is nothing more. That is the something more we are waiting for here. Luke 10, verse 19 says, And I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. That sounds awesome, right? That sounds like, man, we have great power here. But he goes on and says, says But don't rejoice just because evil spirits obey you. 
Rejoice because your names are registered as citizens of heaven. That's why we rejoice. Whatever great accomplishments we have here, that's great. But we rejoice more that we have something that we're looking forward to. It's something that God has already put in our hearts that we have to believe there's something more than this. And I mentioned earlier in the week, earlier in the series, that a, a great number of atheists and agnostics still believe in heaven because God put that in our hearts. It's easy to try to get rid of that. My dad was that way. He just, you know, when you die, you die. That's it. But even, even at that point, every once in a while, he would say something about what happens after you die. Why? Because I believe that God puts that, the Bible says God puts that feeling in your spirit, in your heart, that you know there's something more than this. And you know that when you die, that's not all there is to it. And every funeral I've ever done, whether they be Christian or not, everyone has told me they believe that person's in heaven. Now, whether that's true or not, we don't know. But the point is, everyone believes that there's something more. You may deny it all your life, but in your spirit, you know that there's something more. And I've never met anyone who on their deathbed rejected that. They always believed that there's something more. They believed that when, when they actually died, there's someplace else they're going. They don't know what it is. They don't, may not believe in heaven, but they know there's something after. And that's because the Bible says God put that in every person's heart. Ephesians 1.13 says, Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. How many have ever been included in a will, someone's will in their life? Now, once that the funeral's all over and they go for the will, everyone's excited to see where my name is in the will. Is there something for me? And maybe throughout your life, your parents or someone has told you, when I die, man, you're getting all of it. You're getting it all. And you're sad at the funeral, but you're excited for what's happening. What, what am I going to get? And the Bible says that we've been given the Holy Spirit. It's a deposit guaranteeing what? Our inheritance in heaven. So as believers, we have that guarantee that when we die, that's our inheritance. And that's the, that's the inner feel that we have that we know that there's something else. So we find out there's going to be excitement in heaven. Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, you know. You will be a different and yet perfected version of yourself. You will know others and you will be known by others. And you will have gratifying work to do. And ultimately, the empty feeling that we get now, even after great accomplishments, your kids grow and they move away. Hundreds of miles away, you never see them. All those things that you defined you at a certain point in your life, all those great accomplishments will be gone. You no longer work for the company, you'll be retired. Be by yourself, your spouse may die before you. All those things, all those great accomplishments you have are gone. But we now ultimately know we have one more, one more spot to look forward to. And all those things that we do here we do in anticipation of what's coming. 
We enjoy what God's blessings are now. We enjoy family. We enjoy kids, grandkids, all that stuff. But we know that after all of that, we're going to be in paradise and none of the empty feeling that we have now is going to be there because God promised that all of that will be gone when we're in heaven. We will have and we will be in the place that we have actually wanted our entire life, not even knowing what it is, but we've wanted it from the beginning of our ability to understand. Would you stand as we close in prayer this morning? Our pastor used to ask, ask the church on occasion, if there was a rocket ship out in the parking lot that was going right to heaven right now, would you get on it? And most people said, uh, I don't know yet. There's always something more for us to accomplish here. But that inner, that inner desire in our spirit to one day be where God has already placed that desire in our heart to be. We talked about vacation a couple of weeks ago. You work all 50 weeks wait just anticipating that great vacation you're going to have. How many have ever had a, a vacation that you've just anticipated and you just couldn't wait and the vacation turned out to be a bust? <laughs> Been there. But this is not going to be a bust. This is the one thing that we know is perfection and is ready for us and everything that's going to be there is going to be ready for us and we are excited to see it. Let's pray. Before we pray, it's, I need to always ask. You know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about with heaven and, and stuff sounds, for me as an unbeliever, it's just sounded like science fiction. But once I come to know Christ, it's like a light bulb went off in my head and I really began to understand it. But it took something in my life to get my attention. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through something in your life that God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to really kind of rattle your chain for a little bit just to make you look up. And the reason he's doing that is because he wants to introduce you to Jesus. You may be in church. I was in church three years solid. Three services a week, wasn't a Christian until God got my attention. So I never want to think that everyone who goes to church is a Christian. But maybe this is the day that God's really speaking to you, drawing you in. The Bible says no one comes unless God's Spirit draws him. And that simply means if you're thinking about God, it's because God's making you think about him. And he wants you to make the choice. The Bible says we're all sinners. We all sin. We all fall short of what God expects of us. The Bible also says the wages of those sins is death, which means separation from God. But the Bible says that Jesus came to take that punishment, that, that judgment for us. He suffered and died on that cross where I should have been, where each one of us should have been, as payment for what I did. And all I have to do is accept that, is to believe that the only reason I'm going to heaven is because of Jesus. Bible says, as many as receive him, those he gave the right to become children of God. We're not all children of God by default. We're only children of God when we accept 
Christ as payment for our sin, as our Savior from judgment. If you're here this morning, you've never done that, and you really feel that, that draw in your spirit. The Bible says that God stands in the doorway of your heart, and he knocks, wanting you to open the door. It's a choice you have to make. I can't make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. Jesus is calling you, and you can choose to answer or not. If you're here, you want to say yes to that. I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. If you're at home and you are watching this, if you've raised your hand, let me pray with you. Father, thank you for allowing me to acknowledge my sinfulness because I'm a sinner. But I also thank you for sending Jesus to take my place, to suffer and die instead of me. And because of that, now I have a right relationship with God. My sins are forgiven. I'm clean. I'm in God's presence. And God accepts me as I am. Clean slate. If that's you at home, give us a call here at church. We have information for you. We'd love to pass it on. Introduce you to Jesus. Introduce you to our church. For those of us that are here this morning, I just pray that God continues to fill each one of us with us with his spirit and allow us to be excited for what comes when we leave this earth. But we need to remember that not everyone's going to be with us. And as long as Jesus tarries, that gives us an opportunity to talk to people about Jesus, tell them about Christ and forgiveness. Because once we're gone, we may lose that opportunity. Father, we thank you that someone took that time with us. We're thankful that someone endured our grief and arguing enough to love us into the kingdom. And I pray that you would give us the same opportunity open doors, give us divine appointments, give us boldness and courage and words to say so that those folks who are really hurting and need Jesus are able to receive the great gift that we've already got. Give us that opportunity, Lord, allow us to bring more people to know Christ. Now bless us as we leave today. I pray your blessings upon each person here, each person at home. Allow us to continue to experience, as the Bible says, the manifold blessings of God. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Fill us and use us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you Wednesday. We're continuing our series. We have a video series on angels. Come out and, and, and hear what the Bible says about angels as well.